Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, this is Benjamin Boyce. Welcome to my radio show with Faces. Today's guest is Claire Graham, who is a British individual with an intersex condition. We speak about what it means to be intersex because there's a lot of different intersex conditions. And we also speak about the ways in which the trans lobby is using intersex to forward their ideological positions and how that is actually marginalizing an already marginalized group, especially in the ways in which sex and gender is being majorly conflated by people all the way up in the ACLU. So this is a great little conversation that goes on for about 45 minutes, maybe 50. And I want to let you guys know that for every one of these interviews, there is a podcast version down in the description. And I want to thank all of my supporters for allowing me to continue with this ongoing series on gender, sex, and transition. Here is Claire Graham. Thanks again for, for wanting to speak. Um, I The topic at hand is, uh, I guess, the intersex condition. If you want to speak about that, because there was a trans day of visibility uh, just the other day. And um, Teen Vogue, that bastion of free thought and high thinking, released a video (laughs) that seems to use the occurrence of intersex individuals as a way to undermine the the category of gender or or sex. And... But I don't really understand what they. Um, I don't really understand because they're supposed to be arguing about gender, but then they argue about sex instead. It's like a bit of a. Is it a bait and switch, or are they just confused? I well, I think they they use them interchangeably, deliberately to be, to be confusing, to sort of muddy the water. I, that's my impression. But Do then you... I just. Yeah. Do you, and do you think that do you do you have any ideas of why they go about doing it in this way? Muddling information, muddling categories, because querying. They have no straight answers of their own. They have no. There hmm. is no. Um, there's no established science is there behind gender or identity that they can point to. So they have to take something else and make that muddy and then try to make it about that instead, where there is maybe some science that they can lean on. I think that might be it. That and also that part of it is just about changing um, like societal um, things that we've agreed on as a society. So like definitions of words and things like that. They, they have to make woman mean something else or they have to make female mean something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the that whole gender as a social construct doesn't seem to be satisfying enough for them. They have to go even further. Once they get everybody to recognize the difference between sex and gender, then they have to go after sex because it seems like the activity of the ideology itself, uh, it feeds on disruption in a way like, like the whole queer theory is the, the, 
the concerted effort to parody and to undermine any sort of stability, it seems like to me. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, it's the complete rewriting of how we understand like the world and our social interactions with each other, and and how we how we understand our bodies as well. And hmm. it's like sex underpins everything. It's why we all exist. Hmm. So rewriting that's quite major, isn't it, for humanity? Yeah, that's my understanding of sex, but maybe I was wrong all this time. <laughs> you know, that's always been my understanding of it, and I've <laughs> talked to many scientists, and, and they still, they're still pretty sure that's what we're talking about when we talk about sex. Well, I, yeah, but they're they're working off of a uh, patriarchal enlightenment uh, falsification <laughs> yeah. of reality, written by the colonialists. <laughs> on Twitter, you probably already saw this, but like last week, somebody wrote that the female skeleton didn't exist until the Enlightenment. <laughs> I have seen that. That is Professor Sally Himes, who is one of the UK's leading gender studies professors. Oh, so she, the person who wrote that. Published. Yeah, she has books published in the field of gender studies. Yeah. Okay. I thought that was just some nobody because it was such an absurd statement. You know, yeah, yeah. It was quite remarkable from someone who like that's her thing so how did you get into um this conversation because you're you're rather mildly active on yeah. the social media um well i i sort of became aware of, of discussions around jet i like come from like a social justice background um and Via Twitter, I became aware of some things that, that were happening in the UK because we've had the debate about the Gender Recognition Act. And um, so I noticed a few things. I noticed someone who shared, uh, there's a, an actor called Robert Webb, and he shared um, a meme someone had made that was about how you don't have to change children's bodies so that they can play with certain toys. You know, we should just let children, kids be kids. And he got attacked for being a transphobe. And he's like the most... He, like, he, his autobiography is called How Not to Be a Boy, and it's about tackling gender and how it affects males, and like the patriarchy and how it affects males. So I was really surprised to see him suddenly not be progressive because he had, as far as I was concerned, a, a really progressive view. And then there was a an assault on a woman in the UK. They tried to arrange a meeting and a trans activist assaulted um, a woman who had attended the meeting. And I what I saw from the social justice thing was I was being told here were these evil turfs and they were like they deserved being punched and I sort of followed the story and couldn't agree with that line so I went and started like I broadened my horizons and went and started listening to other people and um and then the thing that finally but I was just sort of watching and trying to work it out and then the thing that did for me was on International Women's Day last year, um, a high-profile trans activist in the UK told women that they couldn't talk about their reproductive systems because it was offensive to women without wombs. I was born without a womb. I have three sisters who have wombs. I would never stop them talking about their wombs and their bodies because mine didn't grow the way that it should have done. And I was just really offended to see someone sort of speaking on my behalf hmm. and saying things that I fundamentally disagreed with and I felt like really that I was being used as a prop because I don't know any woman who would be born with my condition that would begrudge other women talking about themselves hmm. um so I set up a twitter account and just said I disagree and then I was called a turf and a nazi and a bigot <laughs> and, uh, and that was it then I was in I, yeah, and huh. I, I went away with it so 
why do you think that you garnered that reaction? And how did you deal with that reaction? Because I disagreed with, with a, a trans activist, and, and that's not allowed. Hmm. Um, I agreed with it by fighting back. I believed what I was saying was right, and I believed I had every right to say it. So I kept saying it. And then people with different intersex conditions, because it's an umbrella term, there's lots of different types of intersex, um, started getting in touch and saying that they felt the same way. And I realized then that I actually didn't really know much about them. I knew about me and my condition, but not others. So I went and learned and then became someone that people come to in this discussion hmm. for information about it and, and try to sort of share more information. And that's kind of the role I've taken is just addressing the errors. Yeah, you have uh, you have a number of Twitter uh, threads that you share with me. They're excellently written. I don't know why you don't have papers or blogs uh, of some sort, because your information is so concise and clear. Um, would you mind uh, describing your particular condition and, and talk a little bit about intersex, that umbrella term, and how it breaks down? Yeah, sure. So intersex is a um, it's an umbrella term for conditions that affect the development of the reproductive tract. So in my case, it's MRKH, which basically just means that when I was developing, and they don't really know why it happens, um, my reproductive development got interrupted. So I didn't, well, I, I didn't grow, I don't have a cervix. I have like a tiny womb that got like stopped hmm. from growing. Uh, I have ovaries. They do what ovaries do. They're somewhere doing, doing their job. Um, hmm. So that's MRKH. Um, so then you get, so there's lots of different things that can go wrong. It's quite a complex development, uh, the reproductive system. So you equally, you might get a, a male who, for whatever reason, grows the uterus that shouldn't be there, hmm. um, which would be like the flip side to my condition. Or you might get, uh, there are very, very rare cases of males who their penis doesn't grow properly or it grows and the urethra opens on the underside. So it looks a bit more like a... Um, Hmm. More like a vagina, a bit more like female genitalia than, than male genitalia. It's not female, it just appears female because of the way it's developed. Um, there's also chromosomal conditions. So things like Klinefelters, where you get like a, a male with an extra X chromosome. Um, so they might have like, I always feel really bad discussing them because it's their, their conditions, but they might have hmm. a smaller penis also. They may, during puberty, grow some breast tissue. Yeah. Um, and less hair growth, perhaps. Yeah. And then there's um, case women. I'm trying to think of like the most common that people might have heard of. So they are women with the XY chromosome and internal testes. But when they're born, they look female on the outside. They have a vagina. Um, some have um, cervix and uterus. Most don't because the Y chromosome wouldn't. Um, hmm. would prevent that. And um, they, they produce uh, male um, uh, genetic uh, things, sperm, then, no? Um, no, they can't produce sperm because they don't respond to testosterone, which is why they appear female. Oh, okay. So, um, so they are their testes are infertile, and, and they're just, they're just, they wouldn't find out until puberty, which is the same as my condition, until your period doesn't start. People don't know something's wrong on the inside. Nobody's okay. looking on the inside when, when yeah. you're born. Um, so they're just raised, even though they've got internal testes and a Y chromosome, they're raised as girls and, and, and present as women. 
Um, they're often trotted out in this because of the XY chromosome. So if these XY chromosomes can be women, why can't these? Case women are, because they can't respond to testosterone, they couldn't transition either. So they are very much stuck in a female body. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. And if, do the, does their body produce estrogen then? Do they go along That's like the arc of females? Testosterone, but they can't respond to it. So it okay. turns testosterone into estrogen. So yeah, if they're, if they don't have surgery when they're younger, sometimes their testes are removed when they're babies. But if it's not, then their testes would produce the testosterone that would be turned into estrogen and they would go through female puberty minus periods huh. because they don't have the ovaries and huh. other structures. In one of your Thanks. threads, you point out a famous article that's the foundation of the stat that intersex is as common as green eyes or red hair. And yeah. I'll, I'll put this graphic in because it's a very graphic graphic where you have that bimodal distribution of the two humps and then there's yeah. this there's this little zone in between where those two humps interact. And that's yeah. used to say that, that there is this uh, in between or this both or this neither. Um, yeah. But in your thread, when you go through and you break down all these various conditions, they're either male or female in, no in, in how they develop. There's no yeah. real in between. There's just a, there is a gray area, but it's not. That graph is just a picture. It doesn't mean anything. If you look, there's no label on the axes because there's no way to measure what we mean by that. Okay. So, so it's just, uh, hmm. they've kind of made up this theory and then gone, and here's a picture of what it would look like if it actually was this, but it isn't that. So it's a, it's a nonsense thing. It's just a, it's like a visual aid to hmm. uh, idiots, if you like. But it, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's no crossover. So it's interesting that this, um, your, your condition and intersex condition is being used by a certain thread of trans activism to, and then queer theory or the queer theorists to advance their agenda that because these outliers exist, that means that there is no such thing as sex. Therefore, there's no such thing as gender. And yeah. there, the, one level of that is, and I guess you've already responded to this publicly and in this conversation about um, what is it like to, to watch your condition be used by these people in the name of social justice it seems like you become a pawn which is very dehumanizing it's it, it's like it, it feels like being a human shield in many regards when when the debate gets tough on trans activists they wheel us out as that and it's it shuts down people because i was talking to a journalist the other day and she was saying until i'd got involved and started saying hang on you can't do this to me as soon as like my medical condition or an equivalent was brought up, people backed off because it, no one wants to attack people with horrible medical conditions that they are complex and often quite traumatic. So mm. it's like this human shield of, if you're saying that about us, you're saying that about intersex and nobody's going to do that. Um, and that's how I feel. And, and also just incredibly, I know people use this word a lot, but incredibly gaslit because I'm there saying this isn't true. And then I'm getting hostility back at me saying that I'm wrong and I'm this awful bigot for, for disagreeing just because I understand my own medical condition. Your condition doesn't seem to have much to do with gender dysphoria. Was there a psychological component to um More so in my teens. I've, I have written about this on Twitter before. Um, when I was a teenager, I didn't know what was wrong with me. I didn't get periods, but I didn't know why. Um, 
and it takes up because it's a gynecological matter they don't investigate straight away they they leave it a few years for you a few old so i had a few years sort of in my own head of wondering hmm. what was happening and i knew i wasn't like the other girls and i found out some really sketchy information about intersex and i managed to convince myself that i had internal testicles and that i was a man okay. and that no one knew and then one day they would come and tell me i was a man and hmm. and i like really worried about what that meant and that I would have to go and tell like, everyone like I'm really sorry I'm a man now why are you me and I just didn't realize so I had quite I find like that in the, the concept of like an inner feeling of being man or woman quite difficult because I had this time when I hmm. just didn't understand that about about myself and I, I don't think that's gender dysphoria because yeah. it was more questioning of my physicality than like my social role and did your social role shift after you found out or did you no. just naturally fit into like your sisters and, and female spaces? To be honest, I've always been, I was quite a tomboy when I was little and I've always had, my best friends have always tended to be male. I've always sort of hung around in, in, in male groups, not because I think I'm a man. I just, I, I tend to like this, more of the same things. <laughs> And then also as I've got older and my female friends and my sisters have gone and had babies and, mm. and those things, and that's very much like part of their world, I, I don't always find I fit in or I'm not always comfortable with their conversations. And mm. But again, I wouldn't shut them down. I just go and play video games with, with boys. How have you seen resources for intersex individuals develop over your lifetime? And you said that you you found some sketchy data um, yeah. Do you think things are getting better? Do you think that some advocacy is needed? And do you think that... I think this has made it worse. You see a lot of intersex orgs now, like a lot of LGB orgs have become really trans-centric. Um, hmm. So there are a lot of orgs that really concentrate on identity um, and have moved away from helping us to understand ourselves. Hmm. Or, um, I mean, like, because there aren't that many intersex trans people, again, like the, the, which makes it odd that they're conflated. It's quite rare for huh. intersex Well, because you're, you're, you're starting with a small demographic and then you're adding another very small demographic onto that. So you're going to have a fraction of a fraction of this group. Yeah, being yeah it's a tiny, tiny number. There's um, some hmm. data. I mean, there's no real data collected on this. But um, there's a, a an intersex org in the UK who's talked to specialists and they've said out of like the 130 ambiguous babies they might see in a year, which actually would exclude people like me because I wasn't ambiguous at birth, um, you might get like one out of like one every two years that question their gender at some point. So it's like one out of 260, which is quite a small number, really. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's not that. And it varies between conditions as well, to be fair. As I yeah. say, case women wouldn't be able to transition, so it's not a world that they would hmm. ever really enter into. Hmm. Um, you do get um, people, because of intersex surgeries on infants, Yeah. Uh, so you do get people who are surgically altered to be the opposite sex. Well, not to be, you can't be made the opposite, to look like the opposite sex who are raised that way, and they're not always told the truth. So when they become adults and they find out, because suddenly they need to know about their medical history, um, 
they may transition, although a lot of those wouldn't call themselves trans because that's not how they view what's happened to them or how they've arrived in, at that position. It's actually been quite an issue in terms of healthcare in the UK because intersex people who want to recorrect corrective surgery um, have a lot of difficulty accessing it because the, the, the bar for accessing it is gender dysphoria and they don't have gender dysphoria. Huh. And it's the same with changing documentation. The bar is gender dysphoria. So if they don't have gender dysphoria, it's not easy for them to follow a route that puts them back to how they should be or how they want to be. And do you think that that can be corrected? Um, and what will it take for that to be corrected? I think in the, we need a we need a lot more intersex visibility um, and we need a lot more information out there. And another thing in the UK that's happening is that trans orgs are claiming that they're going to do intersex um, work and they're taking grants for it. And then they're making it all about having the third option on the passport, not about things that we need or want. Okay. Okay. So it's really, really difficult because we can't do what we need to do. We can't get hmm. the funding, we can't get the meetings because everyone's listening to these guys over here who think that we all want to be called non-binary and yeah and have that on our documents so they're at once using uh your group and those in this intersex condition to advance their cause ideologically and then politically and then funding wise and then at the same time basically throwing you guys under the bus basically not helping you at all or perhaps ah. even harming you on a medical level because i i've spoken with one uk uh trans person um reese and they said that that um the medical establishment is getting confused about gender now because they can't refer to you as male or female and your documents are all hidden behind all this gendered yeah, tape have our sex and our gender listed on um health documents um but as I understand it, what happened is they just entered a gender in for everyone and not sex. So, like, trans women are being invited for pap smears. And yeah. Like, obviously, they don't need um, trans men and aren't being invited for them, and they do need them. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's created a mess. I would say as well, in terms of intersex advocacy, the, ho the way that we are used is counterproductive to to us one of the reason that intersex infants are cosmetically operated on and this is something all intersex orgs would like to bring an end to is because people won't accept their body as male or female so a girl with an enlarged clitoris or oh, it looks like a penis we must change that or a boy with a um a micro penis or hyperspadia oh it looks like a vagina so we'll just create a vaginal opening and and and, and call them female hmm. um and that's really what they're pushing is that these bodies aren't male or female. So it actually, in terms of fighting this cosmetic yeah. unnecessary surgery, it's they're, they're actually pushing the narrative that causes it to happen rather Which, than addressing the issue. So what what what's that which caused the surgery to happen? Like a societal expectation of... Uh... The, 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 a clitoris will look a certain way or a penis will look a certain way. That's yeah. the, um, and that's what causes it. So, yeah. so 
you know, the parent looks at their baby and it's not their genitals don't look how they should do, and they want that sorting. Um, yeah. It doesn't need to be. It's, there's no health reason to. It's not a that that in itself is not a health condition. Um, yeah. You know, to find that something went weird, but not, not a, like you doesn't need fixing. Um, so yeah, so they're they're pushing that that view that this cannot be this cannot be a male body, this cannot be a female body. Mm-hmm. Um, also, they use the term hermaphrodite, which is uh, we've moved away from because that also is really stigmatizing, and again, um, is is sort of clinically like a pejorative. So oh, clinically, it's uh, a pejorative. Pejorative, yeah. It used to be it used to be used as a diagnostic term, but like. It was just really ignorant because there's no such thing as a human hermaphrodite. Nobody produces both sets of gametes. So, yeah, so there is no such thing as somebody who's both genders. Yeah. You're basically one or the other. That's what you're saying. Yeah, you, yeah, there's no other option, no third option, and nobody's both. People might have, but I mean, like I say, you get men who have uteruses. People might have what you would call a mixture, but they're still definitely one yeah. sex or the other. And so how frequent do you know are these corrective corrective surgeries for infants? Or is it's it still really, It still happens. There's okay. only um there's Malta, I think, is the only country that has laws against it. Okay. And California in the States has laws against it. So potentially it's happening everywhere still. It's I think it's becoming increasingly outdated and I don't think the NHS um, I mean, the NHS aren't, aren't spending money where they don't need to. So in the UK, I, 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 I wouldn't imagine it's happening every time. Mm-hmm. Um, states, I know I've spoken to parents who are in the states, and I know it's different there because, of course, it's a healthcare is business there, so they will try and sell you anything to yeah your child. Yeah, it's, it, and it varies very much. But yeah, we, we what we actually needed laws. Um, protecting intersex infants because i think that's the only thing that will will stop it um protecting them from the surgeon's knife and then protecting them from political uh politicalization basically yeah it's it's really fascinating that the uh this ideology if i may use the term i use that term way too much but it's captured it's captured very large organizations and it still retains its very uh small militia like uh, you know, like the, you know, the Twitter mobs and the the, the yeah. activists will go around and then these big institutions will be pumping up this thing. It's really interesting how it's got like this. It's got it's but in a very I, strong. I, I, me, yeah, it's gonna, um, but I think they've been so clever because I think certainly in the UK, they got rules changed and they got access to people and they did a lot before people noticed what was happening. Um, and you know, and then before we knew it, everyone was chanting the mantra "trans women are women," and it was being projected onto buildings. And hmm. and I have no idea. I'd love to. One of the things I would love to do if I had the time, but I don't even know how you would, is sort of get back. You know, sort of go and investigate how that how that came about, how they managed to sort of land grab so much. Yeah. And, it, and a lot of it contravenes our laws that are, are in place already. So it's really interesting that they've managed. To what do, do you mean con- contravenes how? So in our Equality Act, sex is a protected characteristic. And what they've managed to do is get sex changed to gender in a lot of like local authority publications and in a lot of institutions. Um, so completely ignoring women, we, we've been 
unless we have our gender identity, we're sort of written out of, of our of our protected characteristics. There's been a huge campaign by genderqueer women in the UK to get those changed, and it's been quite partially successful. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, they took they took sex and they replaced it with gender, not added yeah. gender, but they replaced, no, they replaced sex with gender. That's yeah. clever. So, yeah. But the law for sex, but that yeah. is the law. Um, and then things like we've had guidelines put into schools. I come from a, an education background, so I know schools really well. Um, and they like they again mermaids have told schools that they have to let trans children use the toilet of their gender now we have laws in the UK that when children are over the age of eight we have to provide sex segregated toilets for them Um, it's a law schools have to comply to it Um, but yeah mermaids and mermaids have misrepresented the law and people think because they're talking to the experts that it must be true so then schools have put in gender neutral toilets which is illegal um mm. or unlawful, i suppose rather than illegal um mm. so yeah it's really odd that we so you look at it and you think but we have we've got laws about this we've got laws about this and no one's listening to them everyone's just doing what this lobby is telling them without any mm. question and i find it really odd because we wouldn't we're so big on safeguarding here that it, we wouldn't do that for any other group mm. it just wouldn't wouldn't happen so the fact that they've managed to undermine that is quite interesting because i don't know how they've done that either other than yeah. they played oppression card so people think well they played the oppression card and i think there's something sorry to say this and and this is not the case so much anymore because trans people are getting more exposure but there's something uh not off-putting or dissettling but uh destabilizing about a trans individual where you can't it really upsets some very deeply seated ideas about what a person is and how to categorize people so you you have the oppression and then you have this uh this confusing entity so i think that that was able to destabilize uh kind of on a law level or on a policy level maybe maybe i'm just throwing a theory people want to be kind as well i yeah you can get away with a lot in polite society. Yeah, I, last summer I was working for um, an organisation that supports people with autism. And we were taking a group swimming. And amongst that group, there was a, a, a trans child. It was a trans girl. So male, male to female. And um, also in that group, we had very vulnerable teenage girls who we are teaching personal safety to. And we teach it on a very basic level because that's their understanding of the world. So their personal safety boils down to as simple as don't be naked around a penis because that is, Mm. that's it. That's, you know, that's what they need to know and that's how they'll be safe. And we were talking about getting changed for swimming and we were having a meeting and obviously this issue came up and everyone was like, well, you know, well, of course they can go in because because they're a girl. And I just said, well, they can't, but, but equally, these teenage girls are still entitled to their don't be naked around a penis lesson. Like that is... And that's so important to them for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And we can't undo our work with them because of this child and not because I want to exclude this child or for them to feel like they don't belong. But it's... We can't compromise their safety. We can't... Um, I mean, in the, you know, in the end, we found a solution and, and, and it worked and everyone was happy with it. Mm-hmm. But just the fact that I was sitting in a meeting with professionals who were all nodding along until I sort of went... Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Under any other circumstances, we would never have thought, "Oh, that penis will be fine in that in that in, in that in that scenario." It was just such an odd. 
Mm-hmm. Sorry, go on, Henry. No, I was just saying that there's always going to be trade-offs. There's always going to be uh, vulnerabilities that we're going to have to, you know, very carefully uh, measure and and use wisdom and use foresight and and you know long seeing to really, you know, measure out how the what the outcomes are going to be. And if you introduce, um, it just seems like oppression is is good to measure and vulnerability is also something that's different than oppression um, mm. that that needs to be measured and the so I think that a lot of work uh, to answer my own question a lot of work still needs to be done to really carefully examine and and bring rationality and reasonableness reasonableness into the discourse um, so that yeah. we can actually look at the long-term outcomes a lot of activism a lot of like this the political um, game and and the game theory involved in in amassing power and, and shaping society how you want it it a lot of work in that is to to limit the amount of consideration that can go on in these very nuanced situations these very yeah. kind of more complex situations questions are bigoted questions are bigoted <laughs> which which is a it, it's a beautiful term like like one of the terms that really received the George Orwell treatment is that term bigoted because it's being used by people who are bigoted if you look at what that term means it means the inability to look at any other viewpoint than your own and that's being used one of my favorite things Smith, when someone calls me a bigot, is just to reply with a screenshot of the definition. There we go, yeah. <laughs> I've been doing that too. <laughs> it's like, um, similarly, I had a discussion on Twitter this morning about the, the use of the word arbitrary, and they were, we were talking about the definition of sex, and they were going through, so your definition is so arbitrary, and I was like, no, our definition is really, like, solid. We've got a really solid idea of what we mean by it. Whereas you, like, we've asked you what it means, and you've gone... Well, I don't know. It's like how someone feels, and like maybe it's about their hair yeah. length. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. arbitrary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the that's the thing that um, that goes back to the the difference between gender and sex, and and the socialization of males and females into men and women. I think that there needs to be more work on that, and the the trans. Um, you know, like this whole trans discussion and debate and, and the movement is going to bring to light and kind of uh, shore up uh, more theorizing and building a stronger understanding of that complex relationship of the individual male and female emerging into society and the negotiations that happen on a, on a psychological level and a subconscious level and then on a conscious and a so- social level. I think the discussion about gender is actually really healthy and it's something that we should have had. I think I just think these are the wrong terms for it because it's not about fighting gender. It's about en- hmm. enforcing gender and making mm-hmm. it rigid. That's the boxes we live in. And I don't okay. think that's helpful to us. That's what yeah. this does, isn't it? It, 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 it? it insists that we are comfortable, that we, if we're cis, that we ascribe to, to, to our gender roles and are comfortable with that. Um, so huh. then, you know, so then as a man, you have to then, I don't know what, go out and have a fight or something to, to be a man and you have to like be the strong and competitive and, and, huh. and as a women, we have to be nice and pretty and sparkly. Yeah, um, it's it, it, they're They're trying to fight it. It's, it's like you're trying to fight a caricature 
of what it is to be male or female by characterizing the entire the entire conception of male and female. It, yeah, you, and you don't need to do that. We don't. Thing is, you have to change your body. You have to that you have, if you want to perform a different gender role, and you have to change your body, change your sex to perform that gender role. So it's really enforcing gender that yeah. you have to be a woman. So this, if you're this, then you're a woman. If you're this, then you're a man. And I see, I see the discussion around gender now more as enforcing that rather than us looking and saying, well, actually, no, like these, these trans women can, like, I don't Mm. like to call them men because I think that's really unfair and I do understand their dysphoria and I wouldn't want to cause anyone pain, but that we could say they're still male. Yeah. And that's okay. Like, to me, that's a positive step with gender rather than the Mm -hmm. the ideological view that we're being pushed. Yeah, it's the, I can understand gender dysphoria. I mean, I can't understand, understand, understand it, but I can, I can respect that it's painful. I can respect that um, the person who feels that very uncomfortable with their secondary sex characteristics or their the the way that society sees them constantly, how they see themselves, um, needs to go through steps. I can I can understand if it's strong enough and severe enough. It requires certain very strong, maybe even severe corrective, uh, you know pathway uh towards that um but at the same time i can still see that that it's the responsibility of the person to kind of do some of the work with their gender dysphoria and not displace that onto society and i think it brings to light the vulnerability of women as a class having to now kowtow to these males with very strong male characteristics and want to be females with this very strong male drive to be a female um uh, because th- their dysphoria, they want society to change, um, and and there needs to be like some good faith, like meet meet society halfway, or yeah. even even three quarters of the way. I think it's in order to become an adult, you need to you know yeah. do a lot of the labor. In the end, as well, you can't make people perceive things differently. So again, if if someone is standing there in front of me and they've got a beard and and a deep bass voice. I'm I'm gonna think male. I I can't unlearn that because because it is male and and I think if if their dysphoria mm-hmm. is is so bad that someone hmm. not seeing them through the lens that they wish they were seen through, then they need help to deal with that because their people will see the world as they see the world. You can't force people. Well, yeah, and and even if even if you can be polite with this person and like with this extreme example of a very masculine trans woman um, or or like, yeah. Um, Even if you can like treat them in a way that they kind of like, you still need to listen to your intuition because a a male presenting body to a female is going to have certain things that you're going to need to interact with and be aware of and be wary of. Yeah. It's so important. One of the things that like with the, the bathroom debate, which sort of gets on my nerves because I always feel like that's kind of a, a bit of a distraction in all of this. I don't think toilets are the most important issue. Hmm. Um, but having said that, there's now in, in in universities over here, they're putting posters up, you know, saying to people, if you think someone's in the wrong bathroom, then you don't ask them because they know better than you. Well, the reason that women's spaces are safe is because we've always been able to say to someone, I don't think you should be in here. Yeah. And yeah. then remove. Yeah. And now we're not allowed to question it. So our spaces aren't safe. So actually, I don't really understand 
Interesting. Why, why trans women need to be in our spaces? Because they've taken away the thing that makes it safe. Hmm. Once talking about the extremes here, not I've done yeah, yeah. trans, like transsexual women who have put the work in and who we probably wouldn't notice in their bathroom store next to us. I mean, where you've made it, you hmm. cannot question a clearly male person because you might offend them. Like one of the things, it's not that trans women necessarily are danger, but that men could take advantage and claim yes. that we're trans women is is one of the big, big arguments. And I hate it when you get get back quite often. Um, oh, why would they do that? No man would do that. Why would a man go to the effort? Well, they've trained as priests, they've trained as teachers, they've trained as doctors, they've trained as sports coaches, they've done all sorts of things to get access to to. If all you have to do is stand there and say, I am a woman, rather than doing years of seminary school, why would you not? Hmm. And if you're not prepared to have a conversation about how we stop those people from coming into women's spaces, then yeah. you are not women's spaces being safe. So okay. again, why are we why are we arguing that trans women have to be in them because they're because they're safer? Hmm. We've removed the safeguarding. It doesn't they might as well be in with the men because all the weirdos are going to be coming in <laughs> saying they're women and coming in our toilets <laughs> yeah 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 well they don't feel safe with the men i guess but I know. you don't know it's horrible <laughs> i don't know i, I can under, i have sympathy i have genuine sympathy and again i mean i have my trans friends they they and i know this shouldn't be the be all and end all but they pass to varying degrees and i have Friends who are trans women, some use male spaces, some use female spaces, some use a mixture. And I can see why. And I, I, I know one of my friends who's a trans woman, because of this whole gender thing, decided she would try to use male spaces. And she was in a nightclub and she thought, right, you know, she had a drink, so why not? I'll go in the men's toilet. And of course, she got shouted at because people thought she was a woman going in the man's toilet. Hmm. You know, so, so I can, hmm. like, this I can see why for genuinely transition people actually access to women's spaces, there is a conversation for us to have about that for their own safety. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but they have to abide by the rules. Like yeah. it just There needs to be a negotiation and this tactic of ending negotiation is unacceptable. It's yeah. disrespectful. Yeah, just the, the whole no debate thing is just such a, it's such a ridiculous position to take. Because it's going to be debated whether you want it to or not. People will talk. It seems like um, the in the political context of this happening in the left and then being taken, the left being taken over by it and then a bunch of lefties or liberal people being shunted and thrown out um, is is the result of this, which will have greater consequences in like when when we go to vote or when we go into this reconfiguration of these uh, these parties it'd be really interesting to see what happens if we have an election here the you know labor who are our main left-wing party um a lot of women left their party last year because of their stance on gender that they have said that um they would accept trans women onto all women's shortlists and again they've not limited it to people who have transitioned so we have do you know the comedian eddie Izzard? Yeah. You ever heard him? Who and he's a part-time cross-dresser, and he's a Labour Party member, and he has said he would stand on an all-women shortlist for Labour, and they have said they would accept him. Now we're all looking at this very successful man who's going to take a place of a woman, and in an initiative that's meant to address our inequality and our representation, and 
off the back of that, there was, I mean, I don't know how many, because I hope you don't have access to, to numbers, but a lot of women left the Labour Party because suddenly, well, they're not for us, are they? They're not, hmm. it's, it, they're not doing anything for us. And they're telling us that this person is a woman. And we know, we know, we know he's not, Eddie Izzard is not a woman. I don't, I, I don't care. Sue me, I'll say it. <laughs> he's not. <laughs> I, don't, and I don't think actually he would even call himself one. No, it's interesting that the the discussions I've had with sex researchers, uh, Blanchard and um, a number of others, um, they say that that the the weird move in trans radicalism of of reducing everybody into this one umbrella kind of forces these men who just cross dress for various reasons to now be transgender, to now mm. be auto uh, to just like this categorization, like is. And it, it's just so weird that the people who want to make life more complex for everybody else end up making everything so simplistic. Like the same thing mm. with intersex. It's like now intersex is just a part of this. It's no longer this complex set of very rare conditions that we don't even understand or some we can quantify. It's just now thrown in under this umbrella and everybody has to go under this umbrella. It's, it's this weird blob that, that, it's just this weird mixture of complexity and simplification that that just seems they like don't self see it, do they? It's like because I've had this, you know, because they have this thing, don't they? This it's like the anti-binary sort of thing. Things can't be binary. Everything has to be a spectrum. And I've sort of said to them before, like the cis trans thing. And I've said to them, that's a binary. Like you have created you in your in your desperation to get rid of binaries, you have created a new binary. Yeah. And they and and. I mean, like the word bigot, they don't understand the word binary because they will argue that it's not. And they'll say things like, oh, but trans can be lots of different ways. Cis can be lots of different ways. It doesn't matter. Cis or trans, that's a binary. Like, yeah, yeah. even if there's lots of different things within that and lots of different things in that, it's still one or the other, on or off. <laughs> that's... But they don't... So I think... I don't know if they... Do they do it deliberately? I don't know. I think they just don't understand words. <laughs> well it, it really there is a strong case to be made that that a lot of this comes out of the academy um i think on a social level like what you were talking about with how the government was just all of a sudden reconfigured i think a lot of people were trained in the academy and then got these jobs and then they're just it reached a critical mass and then it just happened um yeah but a lot I of think... this this crazy way of thinking or like this not sane way of thinking, I don't know how to put it, uh, the self-contradictory, illogical, anti-rationalist way of thinking comes out of this postmodern way of thought, comes out of this this weird queer theory mixture, and then you add activism to it, and you get this weird, you know, baking yeah, soda and, and vinegar reaction. people are dysphoric, and, and I don't mean this horribly, but who are mentally unwell, dysphoria is a, it's a, it's a neurological condition, but it's, I mean, it's, also, it's a mental health condition, isn't it, to feel dysphoric? Yeah. And, and on top of that, we know that a lot of people with gender dysphoria have additional comorbidities with mental health. So yeah. narcissistic personality disorder or, or depression. Um, so, yeah, so you've got people with quite extreme mental health issues who've become the spokespeople for this, which isn't helpful either. Because, of course, they have no clarity of, of thought or who they are or their position because... They are unwell people. And I know, mm -hmm. like, I, again, I know that, that that would be considered quite an offensive thing to say, but I think it's important that we acknowledge that because that yeah. is the reality of it. And and certainly with some of our more prominent trans activists in the UK, you see that. You you see mm. it quite clearly. These are unwell people that we're, that we're being told to listen to. Yeah. Which is 
frightening really. It's weird. And you know, you don't want to be rude and you don't want to be a bigot. You don't want to even be called a bigot, but it's not even that the emperor has no clothes. It's that the emperor's off his meds, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Are you, um, are you a professor or a teacher? You work in education now? Um, I am a teacher. I'm not a professor. That would be lovely. No, I work with, I work in special educational needs awesome. and disability. So that's, that's what I do. I work with angry children all day, which again has helped me with the trans activists because they come at me with their anger and I think you just like what I deal with at work. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you basically set yourself up to never leave. Uh... <laughs> yeah, just like, it's just, I live in a permanent world of people being angry me because i'm saying no to them like, uh, that's, that's what i do you know i do appreciate um reading through your twitter i, I appreciate your tonality um and uh, i think working i myself worked in preschool for a while it really prepared me for social media in a way um to kind of uh to enter the fray in a way that that doesn't add more fraying to it yeah you know? yeah and i, I, I hear that in your voice I don't go in there. To, I never went into this to have a row with anyone. That's not, I mean, it happens. It happens quite a lot because people come and argue with me and I, I argue back. But I never, and I never went into this to attack people. I just wanted to yeah. inform, educate and, and have a, have my own voice in, in a debate where I was, where I was, I was involved before I was involved. People were talking about, not, and like people, I feel like, you know, you're staring in Catch-22, like you were talking about me, like we were talking about intersex people. Yeah, but that's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, never be anybody's pawn except your own. Exactly. Yes. It's good advice. Yeah. Um, yeah. I am. Um, I entered into it that way. And then, yeah, just when I got the bad sense of it, I just thought, oh, I know, I know what I'm going to do with you and I'm going to either laugh at you or... Mm -hmm take a firm tone yeah well it's yeah it's it's important and thanks for letting me put you in in my series because like your voice i mean your condition and then what you know because of what you've gone through and what you have or whatever is very important to this conversation especially if it's being used now to destroy science or whatever they want to do whatever their end game is the aclu yeah. or whoever whatever they really want um i guess they're they're trying to drag you into it so it's well, thank Good to you. Get your information it's out there. taken a long time, I think, for intersex people to actually have representation in this that isn't someone else talking about us. So, I, like yeah. anyone that includes an intersex voice in this, I, you know, is so important because this is how it should have been for us from the start. It's yeah. a shame that it's taken me just being really pissed off with people on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs>